Hi there, and thanks for listening to Shim Satira's podcast series, Sounds Like Folk. My name is Joanne Barry, and I am the Repertory Director with the National Folk Theatre at Shim Satira. My involvement with Shimsa began as a nine-year-old child and I've been working with the company as a performer, teacher and all-round folky for the last 15 years. Despite the current restrictions, the creative impulse to swap our stories and engage with our audiences remains. I hope you enjoy this new way of Bohan Tirt, or gathering together, allowing a window into Shimsa Tira, which itself was born from a coming together of like-minded people, a place where ideas and stories are celebrated. On this episode, I am thrilled to chat with actor, writer, producer and director Sarah Jane Drummey. Sarah Jane began her performance career with Shim Satira, going on to collaborate with theatre companies such as Druid and Rough Magic, which saw her play pivotal roles on some of the world's main stages. We chat today about her beginnings with Shimsa and her career to date, which sees her write, produce and direct her own films. Enjoy the chat. Good morning, Sarah Jane. Good morning, Joanne. Joe, nice to see you. To see you, nice. So uh, we are joined today by actor, writer, director, producer, all, all of the above uh, on our chat for Sounds Like Folk. And I suppose the obvious place for us to start is at the start uh, yeah. when you began. And was it always going to be the arts for you, Sarah Jane? Well, I think for all of us, it, it, I was only talking about this the other day with friends because um, the same question was asked. Um, when did we know? And for us, you know, we all started as children. Yeah. And when you start at that age, not only did we get the training for two years and then you go and you audition to get into the main company and you're performing uh, you know, four nights a week during the summer season, you're going away on tour, you are, you know, involved in the creation and the development of new plays and exciting new dance pieces. And then you see a core ensemble being created and you see that they get to do this all day, every day. And for me, it was like a no brainer. Of course, I want to spend my life doing this. And of course, like there is, yes, you, you, it, it doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't take hold of everybody. But when you have the foundation that we had yes. um, and you are learning from the masters um, and people who are so brilliant at what they do, then you're really getting such a great um, um you know, foundation for, for being a professional. And, and for me, it was, yeah, I, I didn't really feel like I didn't have the passion for anything else. Um, and so it, yeah, it was, it was always there. Um, and then when the time came to, you know, applying for college, um, it was, I got into the Gaiety School of Acting. Um, and the year that I got in, they changed it from a one-year course to a two-year course. And my dad um, and mom were obviously very hesitant um, because the, the idea was that I would go to the Gaiety and I'd go for a year and then I would go to college okay. and get a degree. Um, and then when they changed it to a two year course, then that kind of changed everything because they knew yeah. that yeah. if I had two years yeah. in there, that there was no way I was going to go to college. <laughs> and they were right. Um, and I was devastated. And my dad and I had this big 
big blow up and I was crying and I ran up to my room and I slammed the door and he stormed in and he said to me, you are going to go to college and you are going to get a degree and you will then be able to walk into any room anywhere in the world with your head held high, knowing you have as much right to be there as anyone. Whoa. This is like a proper adult conversation. Yeah, I was 16 and I was, he was ruining my life. <laughs> he didn't understand me. I wanted to be an actor. Oh my God. And, uh, and he stormed out and I was like, but I'll never forget those words. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, with, you know, in a, in a huff, I said, okay, fine, I'll go to college. And I did go to college. And he, he was right. I did. I grew up I you know, I, I made the most incredible friends that weren't in the industry, yes. friends for life. Yes. Um, got all those kind of crazy mad years out of me. Um, and what I knew is that once I finished my degree, which I got in Spanish and Italian, mm. that I was going to go directly out into the world to be an actor. And I didn't train. I didn't train after that because in my, I, I felt I don't need to train. I've already trained. I was in Shimsa for years and years. Like I, I, I have trained. I, I'm ready. Um, and so that was it. And I didn't want to waste any more time. So I just went around and was like knocking on doors, like going, hello, I have my CV and Shimsa was all I had on it. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> give me a job. <laughs> but as you said, like we got without even realizing it as well, I often think we soaked up all this information as kids and actually we're sort of trained as professional actors, but no one said, oh, you're, you're being trained now. We just watched people and learned and, as you say, looked at all the experts and it just went in for a lot of us. Yeah, that's it. And it is. And, and, and I learned over the course of like however long I've been in, like for three to four decades that you are always learning on every single job in every single thing that I do I'm always learning from the person who is there that knows more than me because there's always somebody who knows more than 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 you or me um and but what we were getting was the discipline mm. and the level of professionalism that is necessary to do in any field of work, but especially in our industry yes. of showing up on time and, and, and rehearsing to death and, and getting it right and doing it over and over and over again mm. so that you really get the, 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 you know, you get the show that you want. Um, and it was invaluable. It really was. Yeah. And I, I never underestimate that. And, and it has really uh, helped me in terms of my own, you know, change of, careers and as a director and as a producer is just knowing knowing what I want and to be very clear about what it is I want and to not settle for anything less than what it is I want and um and also it's the collaboration of of the of everything and you know it is not just one person yes it's some you know in the case of Shimsi it all stemmed from the, the brilliant mind of 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 Pat Ahern. but it's such a collaborative industry. Like you can't do it all yourself. You need other brilliant minds and other energies and spirits and personalities. And that's the thing that we just have in our blood because yeah. thanks to Shimsa. It's yeah, just amazing. Yeah. And when you when you sort of went knocking on those doors and I often think as well, Shimsa gives you like sort of 
more than confidence. It's like, I know how to behave and I know how to, you know, t sell myself almost. And when you went knocking on those doors, like you were very successful in getting a lot of work in Ireland. Yes, I was. But it was because I felt, I know I can act. Yeah. It, and, 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 and it's not a, it wasn't a, you know, I'm full of myself. It was, no, I know I can act. And I have, and I have, I have worked with this company since the age of nine and I, I have what, like, I have what it takes. Now I just need a job yes. and then it all will be well. And, uh, yeah. and so it was, and also there was this feeling of not wanting to waste any time. I didn't, I had gone to college and I was so ready to continue my life as an artist. I hadn't been working in the arts for four years. I missed it. You know, I hadn't been on stage in, in far too long because I had done other things. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I just wanted to get back to it so much. Um, I missed it. And, and I was really lucky. Um, to get the work that I did and but it it does come from as you say this kind of confidence in in knowing that you can you can deliver it's not a an attitude of oh I'm I'm great at what I do is no I am I am a good ensemble member yes you know and there's no arrogance yeah. in it I think as you say it's 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 just knowing that no. And how how did you how did you transition then out of Ireland? So did you was it the UK or was it straight to the States or where, where, where did you go next? No, I went to London first. It was always the next step, really, as an actor in Dublin. You think, oh, okay, next stop is London. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I always had boxes I wanted to tick. And, and one of them was the National Theatre in London. I really wanted to work there because I knew that that, um, that uh, you know, institution um, has... Um, they do repertoires of plays so when you get in there it's different in the abbey you you do a play but it is um it, it is there's always an end point the play ends and then you need to you know they don't have a repertoire um in place as such but in in the national they do so if you get if you're fortunate enough to get a part um you generally get uh, get another part in another place so you're doing plays two plays at the same time so you really you get a, it's kind of like a long-term contract um and I felt I you know and that the you know the, it was just I really wanted to get to get to get in there and it took me some years to do it um you know lots more waitressing um, <laughs> um but you know, I was going and, and also I was being offered work back in Dublin, which I really wanted to do as well. So there was my my agents would get very frustrated with me because I never really wanted to give it the time I needed to to be available for the work in London, because every time I was offered a job in Dublin, I was just like, oh, I want to work. So I went, she's like, you can't go back and do another play. But I'm like, no, no, I can. And I need to, like, I have to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I kept going back because I loved it. And I had all these friends and, and colleagues that I wanted to work with again. Um, and then eventually I got, I got a, I got offered a part in, in London at the national, but it coincided with this incredible play that I had been working on with rough magic for years um, for two years, they'd been developing uh, improbable frequency. Yeah. It was, oh, it was the hardest decision um, of my life as an actor at the time, because 
I really had to choose, you know, um, I had worked so hard to kind of get this play in London and yet I really wanted to do this play in Dublin. But in the end, I, I said yes to the national. And, and that's actually one of the things that I've learned the most as an artist is that, you know, the no, everyone, yes, we want to work and we say yes to the work. But sometimes the no's are as important as the yeses because you're saying no to one job or to one opportunity because because some other opportunity is going to present itself and and it it doesn't matter the path the path will always take you on whatever path like we're not there is no plan b we're in it yes. till we die yes. but it's always like so you know it's crazy so then i worked there for a couple of years and that was wonderful um and made all you know new friends and um and and then I was asked back to Dublin to do uh, or back to Ireland to do the sing cycle with Druid. And I had worked with Gary a lot up uh, until then. And it was just, you know, very, just very, it was just working with Druid or Rough Magic or Shimsa, you know, you're working with the same people over and over again. So, yeah. And I, I, during the sing cycle, I said to I said to Gary, I'm going to New York I'm ready to go to New York. I felt like I'd done London. I had kind of ticked the box, but I, I knew that my heart was always going towards the States, to New York. I just love that city. And I said, I'm going to New York. I'm going to go after this. And then she introduced me to my now husband. Ah. <laughs> who happened to yeah, who happened to be from New York. Oh, no way. <laughs> a little bow. Yeah, in the town hall bar in Galway. Wow. Um, yeah, and we met and it was that was just the end of it. As soon as we met, we're like, oh, okay. And he'd been living in New York and we decided to live in Los Angeles and, and go there first because he had, you know, opportunities arising. And I thought, well, I've always wanted to go to LA. Sure. While we're young enough and dumb enough and <laughs> to do it. Um, but no, not dumb. It was great. It was really great. And we lived there for the best part of 10 years. Um, and during that time, I would come back to Ireland uh, uh, when if ever somebody asked me to do a play that I really wanted to do. The full circle came when I was asked to do Improbable Frequency. Um, uh, they did a tour in Ireland and then they took it to New York. Um, so that was just it was a great ending to that whole yeah, thing where you think, oh, I'm never going to do this play. But then I got to do it. And brilliant, it was brilliant. brilliant. And yeah. I have to ask the question because everybody wants to know what it's like to live in L.A. and be an, an actor looking for work in L.A. It has to be bonkers. It is. It is. It's completely bonkers. It is totally different. It's like the cattle call. Next. Yeah. Next. It is absolutely insane and different um to what you're used to and especially as a theater actor I was a theater actress right I I I hadn't really done much film and television and that's really all it is they do not care about the fact that you've been working with Jewett or at the National in London they just it's not important to them it's like what have you been in um and so I hadn't so I felt like there 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 have been many periods of my life even as up to you know this year where I feel I am forever starting off again because um and that is by choice and that is always something that has it's just in my 
it's in my nature, I suppose, that I'm always trying to, you know, figure new things out so that you're pushing yourself to find new ways to be creative. Um, and in LA, as difficult as it was, because it was hard to get work. And that's why I kept taking the work that was offered in Ireland, because it was work that I loved and wanted to do. Um, but it was because of being in LA that I started writing. Um, because when you're out of work as an actor, that's really the hardest part of the job is, is not working. You just want to be working all the time. So when you're not, and you're waiting tables um, for the best part of a year, um, it's very soul destroying. And so you have to really help and protect your mental health by, by finding other ways to stay creative. So my husband, who is a writer, um, said to me, okay, well, let's write a, a film for you. And so we wrote a screenplay together and I just loved it. And I had done some writing some years before that, but I found it very, very liberating. And I would get up, we would get up at six in the morning and, and do our three hours of writing on our script. And then I would go to the restaurant and work. And I felt like I had done this thing that, that allowed me to go and, and serve people without being really bitter. frustrated and bitter and angry. Um, yeah. So, and then that script, you know, it, it was, it was good and people were interested and they kind of took it to the next level, but, um, and I, I was not a star and I learned very early on that I was never going to be in this movie. And, and I accepted that. And I understood that because you do understand the different parts of the industry um, when you're in LA, you really see the, the business side of things. And that also intrigued me. And I thought, okay, I understand why I'm not going to be in it. I'm not a star. And you want the, the, you want the film to sell. You want people to see it. I said, but I'm going to produce it. And so I, I need to learn how to produce. And then I, that was, then that was my next mission. I want, I want to learn how to produce and I, I better get a job with a producer. And so I decided to go work for Kathy Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I want to work with them. They, these two people. Yeah, work I like these two. Yeah. <laughs> I like their vibe. Yeah. They produce. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's try and get a job with her. And we miraculously knew someone who was able to sort that out. <laughs> I got that job. <laughs> and that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah and and I like I I just going back a bit like I remember you as a kid in Chimsa because I came in a little bit after I think you were already in the advanced class and you know when you just see people that are kind of sparkly and they're like you know I always knew that you know that you would obviously stay in the arts but it's no surprise to me to hear all these things happening to you because it's like yeah that's totally Sarah Jane. Like she would do that. She would walk up to or find someone who knew, you know, a Steven Spielberg producer and go, okay, I'm just going to slot myself in here and we're just going to work together and I'm going to soak up all the information. It's amazing. It is. It is. It's, it's, yeah, it's luck as well. Like, you know, um, I was able to get that job because Ellie, a play that he had written um, was used as um um, had been optioned by Kathy's company um, as that they would maybe make the film. And, um, and so we had an in and that's really it. You just, you need an in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that was a really wonderful 
moment as well where I could instantly was fascinated with being on the other side of the camera and it actually triggered parts of me that I had forgotten existed like I'm very control freaky and so that was the bit about being an actor that didn't fit well with my DNA I wasn't good when I was out of work I was very all over the place and so waitressing was kind of all I did but I needed more than that and so working for someone like Kathy allowed me to really you know get all of that part of me and uh, into you know the organizational control freakiness it just it, it it just really excited me and um and then you know and we also we got on very well you know and and I just loved being on that side and and seeing what it was like putting a, a big film like a multi-million dollar film together you learn so much and you see so much yeah. and yeah. and also um you are afforded the great privilege of also realizing that that's not what I want to do either yes indeed <laughs> yeah yeah and you can spend your whole life imagining and dreaming like this is what I want and I was very fortunate to go this has been great I've learned so much I've worked with the most incredible people and generous people and um and now I'm going to take all that and go make my own films because yeah. now I know I want to do that <laughs> and I I thank you for sending me on uh, your your films I loved all of them interesting that they all sort of well, interesting to me uh, that they all uh, feature children. Yeah. Uh, and I think I can totally relate to that. I think once you have kids, it's it just blows your mind in all these different ways, artistically and not, and blows your patience. But that's another story. <laughs> but I think they're beautiful. Like all three of them are beautiful and so different. Um, I think you know, coming from a theatre background and now as a filmmaker, like we're story, you're a storyteller, you know, and that's really, for me, the, the your rootedness in the folk theatre comes through in these films because it's, there's such a strong, simple story. Sure. Uh, I'd love you to talk a little bit about Roisin Dove, I suppose, which, yeah. is, the, which is the the direct connection back to to your childhood and to, to the music you were hearing. Sure. Um, well, the 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 inspiration for that was um I went for a walk um from we walked we did part of the Camino the Kerry Camino um um one lovely summer day lovely summer day shall we say that again <laughs> there was a lovely summer day <laughs> But no, actually, we're getting a lot more sunny summer days these days, thanks to climate change. And this is something that really um, troubles me in a way that I don't want to fixate about it. Because as a mother of a child, you don't want to think what, how horrific things are, are proving to be and how things will be when he is perhaps my age older. What's the world going to be like? Um, I tend not to overthink it, but at the same time, it, it is very, it, it scares 
the, the, the hell out of me. And especially living in LA where the climate is so, so um, uh, hot and also it's changing so much as well. And um, so you really get the negative side of, of the climate change uh, problems in, in places like LA or here, you know, in Madrid or where it's just getting hotter and hotter. Um, and so oh, I went for this walk in the Kerry Camino and the weather was beautiful and it was just a really perfect summer day. And I was just looking at the landscape and I, I started to think about just how will this change? How will all of this change hundreds of years from now? Because you're looking at all of the, um, you know, this, you know, this is the history behind where we were walking. Um, and then obviously, you know, Rojine Dove is such an, an important piece of music for me as, you know, as, uh, as someone who came from Shimsa and, but it's also a political song. Um, you know, yes, it's sung as a love song most of the time, but it is actually a political song to Ireland. And I thought, you know, what is the future going to be like in Ireland? And that's really the, that was the sounding board for the reason of wanting to elevate the song and the beauty behind it and the simplicity behind it. And also the future could look a lot like the past if we're not careful. And, but what is it that unites us? And what is it that allows us to, to survive as humans is our ability to sit around a fire and tell stories mm -hmm. and that was really it mm -hmm. and I wanted to kind of bring those two worlds together the futuristic element of where we could be if we're not careful I mean this is a very extreme <laughs> case scenario um, but but I also wanted to celebrate the power of storytelling and the beauty of the Shano singing and the simplicity of that and and that was that was the reason I wanted to make the film. Yeah, and it re it really works. And it's almost I guess because I know the song. When I do hear it, it's like oh, it almost sure. takes the breath away, you know. Because yeah, like I sometimes I think about it even, and like my, the hairs stand up. Yeah, yeah. On on my arms. It's, yeah, it's incredible, and it's to to hear it in that context, it is really arresting, and um, and first and. It's emotional, but it just ma it, it makes you think, which I suppose all all that's what films are supposed to do, you know. So it works. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> I'm so glad. But it doesn't work for everyone, you know. It's yeah. just it's very subjective. But I think we we because I knew it would work for you because of your emotional connection to the song and what you do for a living. You would get it, and if anyone's going to get it, it's you. Yeah. Um, but it's not for everyone because not everyone has that emotional tie to that particular song um sung by this particular choir um but it is um and that's really the sort of uh thing that i i just want people to think mm. yeah and, and and that's all you can hope for yeah is that someone gets something from from the work Oh. Uh -huh. 
Also, one three four, which is which is uh, the most oh my god, gorgeous film, um, and it's brilliant Anne O'Donnell. Oh well, yeah, there's so many faces in it that I recognise. And Jimmy Smith yeah, and, Anne and, and Anne and Nikki. Oh god, yeah. It was beautiful. yeah. But it's you know, and it's been shown in a lot of festivals all over the world. But it's just so um, you know, it's so important as a film, I guess, as well, and. You might just talk to us a little bit about why why you decided to make this this particular film. Sure, um, it was um, I'd seen a couple of documentaries um, about uh, children, transgender children, and their parents and how they were dealing with it. And I, you know, there was one particular woman in very conservative um, part of Texas who um, her her child, her little girl, was born a boy and was telling her mother um, from the age of three, I'm, I'm, I'm a girl, I am a girl. But she, as a mother, just didn't understand it and would just, you know, slap her and, and you know, tell her to cop on. And, um, and it was only after a year of the girl saying this over and over again that her mother decided, I have a choice here. I have to either listen to my child or, or, or what am I going to do? I have to listen to my child. And she was very religious. So she decided that she would listen to her child and try and understand what she was saying. And she was completely ostracized by her family, by her community. Um, and I thought as a parent, you know, yes, I would be fully supportive of my child you know, would, should he say that he, he, he was a girl. Um, but it doesn't, and, and I have a friend who was going through a similar situation with her child who is much older. Um, and she texted me one night and said that her child had made a big decision. And she, as a mother was feeling very supportive, but she was, she was also feeling very, um, you know, sadness as well, because you're kind of saying goodbye to the child that you thought you'd raised. And it really moved me because this, my friend is very liberal minded and very progressive. But but it, when you break it all down, she's still a mother of a little girl. Um, and it kind of I, I just really wanted to to make a film that that allowed people who for no fault of their own have learned to see the world perhaps differently than we do um and to give people a chance to to look out right and 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 see themselves reflected and and allow them to 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 see it from all perspectives you know there's so much film theory which i kind of don't listen to because I'm kind of figuring it out on the job that say no you need to have one protagonist you know and it has to be this person's story but for 134 it was really important to me that this is 
it's not just one person. This is a family. And they each have their own perspective on this. They each have their own emotional ties to their child. And um, and so it was just, I wanted to, to really show how each of their journey to this day and, and how it hasn't been easy, mm. not just for the little girl, um, for the girl, but it hasn't been easy, even the mother and show her journey to that day and the father. And that was it. And it was, it was such a, an incredibly special experience. And, and really I, this film could not have been made um, without a um, Bill who played the, the boy um, uh, who's just an extraordinary Irish dancer, but it wouldn't have been made without Jimmy Smith because he was so open-minded and hearted to allow me to come and speak to his students and, and the parents, and they all were fully involved, um, you know, and, and really wanted to show up that day at eight o'clock in the morning in their full Irish dancing costume. Um, And he, and Mike O'Shea and uh, Nikki and Anne, like I just was floored when they said that they would do it. Um, And it was just a really very, and Anne, of course, like I was like, who's going to I was I was going to play the teacher because I just wanted to keep it super simple. And I was like, I'm just not right for the part. I'm just not right for the part. And I knew Anne was right for the part. I was yeah. like, oh, I hope she says yes. Yeah. And she, yeah. and it, you know, there's such I'm, I'm I right in saying there's such little script, you know, it's, it's yes, it's almost like a dance in itself, you know. There's yeah, script, but it's all these little these parts weaving in and out of each other, but it, it's it's beautiful. It really is. And is that your son in the other film I watched? Um, so so you, you saw Lewis in the very first film in Good Fight, which I made in my back garden for $600. That was it. Beautiful. Yeah, a little baby. And that was kind of the, the you know, the the reason I started filmmaking is that I had just quit a big job and um, I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And, you know, there was the the day-to-day stress of what am I going to do? How am I going to, do I accept another job that's going to take me away from my child 12 hours a day? I have to do something to survive in LA because it's just the, it's very, um, you know, the standard of living there is very high. But I knew if I took another big job that I would be losing the reason I left that job. And, mm-hmm. and so having all these kind of crazy, all, you know, normal um, life decisions. And in the meantime, my little boy who was one and a half at the time was just, you know, walking around the garden and and appreciating what I was missing. Yeah. And so he I just wanted to grab all of that. And 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 that was the kind of the the inspiration for the first film but he then he was the locations manager in the second film <laughs> and then he was the little boy in the third film he was the little boy in the okay. yeah the third the youngest jack um so he is as far as he's concerned he is locations manager and he's he'll do whatever <laughs> he gets thrown into <laughs> And when you're when you're now that you're in this place where you're making films, um, do you miss performing? Do you miss being in the film or on the stage? I do. I mean, it's funny. I know that I'll do it again. Yes. There's this feeling that, yeah, I, I will definitely act again. 
And I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know when it'll be, but I know it will be because I can't not. I can't imagine myself never. Do, it's not like I close the door like I'm never doing that again. I just needed to find other ways to be creative and be an artist. Yeah. And um, that acting didn't allow me to do because you're just forever in the hands of somebody else to give you work. And that did not suit my my DNA. Yeah. Um and now that I have found something that kind of ticks all the boxes, um, um, I know that I will act again and it'll be when it's the right time. You know, doing a play is hard because then you have to go away if you're going on tour. And I don't want to leave Lewis. I love the fact that I can that I have. Yeah, I can walk him to school and yeah. um, and just be there and be, be very present as a mother. I realized it was really important to me is the kind of mother I, I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and so we are moving back to Dublin um, in August, which is very wow. exciting. And I feel like, you know, if somebody said, would you like to be in a play? I would probably say yes. <laughs> be okay with that. I would probably be okay with that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And all through your career, Sarah Jane, now, you know, you said maybe three decades. Has there been a moment where you've gone, oh, oh, this is too much. This is too big. I can't do this. Like a challenging sort of big, big moment where maybe you underestimated something. Has there been a point for you? Um, mm, not, no. Every, every challenge that, has arisen on account of a job or ignorance on my part of not knowing what to do. Like I, 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 I realize that every problem is not a problem. It's just, it's a situation and all films and all plays and all everything we do, it's just a case of figuring it out. So for me, that's what kind of really excites me is, is figuring something out it's I don't feel I mean I think the first the day that we shot the uh the the scene in the hotel with in 134 was kind of my biggest day as a filmmaker right I had 40 extras who were all showing up um to to be in this film um and I felt a huge responsibility and it was all kind of on my shoulders to get this done on schedule. And I had people who were working as production assistants and, and I kind of lay in bed at five in the morning going, okay, this is the day, this is the day you can do this. But I also remembered that Kathy, when she was found herself producing ET at 28, she was so nervous and it and it reassured me that you know even someone like that also had these nerves and it's just okay it's just this responsibility that you want a you want people to enjoy themselves it's we're not saving the world here we're making a movie it should be fun and that all comes from the director yeah the director sets the tone yes so i need to i needed to sub to suppress my own nerves so that everyone else would not feel nervous. Cause yes. if you're nervous and yes. you're anxious and you're showing it, yes. 
yeah. then everyone else will feel it. Now, I'm sure people probably felt some of <laughs> some of the nerves, but it's, you know, you, you have a schedule and you're losing light and all these things. But but it's not something that made me go, I never want to do that again. Now I'm like, oh, I want to do it on a bigger scale, but I just need more people. So I need more money. And that's the hardest part. Now you have to get more money. You know? I know. And that's the thing with film, I suppose. It's it's the money, isn't it? It's Yeah, you need a lot of money. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. So uh, we've all been obviously locked up at home and you've been in Spain, correct? Yes. Uh, which has been particularly bad, I suppose, almost as bad as ourselves, you know, but... I think that this forced pause, as we'll call it, um, has given us a lot. What's it done for you, allowing you, I suppose, to be at home with your family, maybe getting time when they're in school <laughs> to write and create? And, and <laughs> how, how sit and stick your finger in your nose yeah. and go, <laughs> now what will I do? <laughs> There's been a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it is, has been very different for everybody. Um, I certainly have not been one of those people who has written 10 scripts and has been very productive on a writing level. I submitted a couple of big applications for, for things that I hoped I would get accepted into which I did not and that is so normal but those applications are very grounding and they do allow you to do some writing because you are asked to you know put into words you know the things that you want to do and what how you want to achieve it and all that so th those applications are very good in terms of a um a way to be productive in a pandemic but what did happen was that I realized that I had put a lot of time and energy into these applications and it's very normal to not get the things that you want. It's so much part of the business. Um, you build up such resilience to the rejections. Um, but what happens to me is when I get rejected, let's say from something that I felt like I should have got that, why didn't I get that? That it makes me go, well, I can just do this myself. Why am I asking for permission? Why am I asking for these people to say, yes, you can do this when I know I can do this. So I need to do this. And so I had a script that I was developed with Screen Ireland, uh, a script that I want to make, a film that I want to make. Um, and it's a, it's a big film. And it kind of is in the same thematically the same as Rogine Dove and that it's set in Ireland in the future it's a love story and it and it does require uh, you know a lot of money most likely but I felt like I can actually make this for less money than people would imagine if I just think it differently and Ellie my husband is also my producer mm -hmm. and it was he that said you know it doesn't have to be as big as as it reads on the page and once we started talking about that mm -hmm and realized that we can pare it all down. Um, I decided to put my time and energy into, into, into making this film. And so that's what we've been doing. And we're on the road. We've got, we've got cast who have read the script that love it and are really incredible actors. Um, and we have, um, we've just, I've started to get my crew together. I'm kind of trying to build the world that I want to build. And all of that came from 
being at home going, no, I have something that I want to make. And it's very timely. And the trouble is, after this pandemic, everyone's going to be making yes. things that are set in an apocalyptic future. I'm like, well, I already have a script, so I better get going on it. Um, yeah. So we are, and I have so lucky, I have a friend who really believes in the work that we're producing and has given me some money to get started. And it's not, you know, it's not it's not, it's not nothing. It's enough to get going and it's enough to kind of garner interest in people who go, oh, okay, well, they have money. So they'll read the script. So that's what we're doing. And it's very exciting. Oh, and that's true. And actually one thing that came out of the pandemic, geez, I almost forgot because I'm just so happy talking to you is that I, we, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> we're starting, we're launching next week. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have Zoom chats with my two of my best friends um, during the pandemic, Eva Berthissel, who's a fabulous actress and turned filmmaker, and uh, Deirdre O'Kane, who is very much loved. Yeah. Um, comedian and actress. And well, I'd say that's a lot of fun. So much fun. So much fun. So we were all just doing our Zoom chats. And then we said, or D said, we should do a podcast. And it was something that I never imagined myself doing. Um, but it, it felt very right. It felt like this is a really good thing to do. And, and it's very fun, and which is what it should be. And we launch next week. Brilliant. I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> Just one last thing I'd love to ask you. If we have a lot of students, you know, in Chimsa and we have a lot of older um older students who might be applying to college or pursuing the arts or maybe wanting to to go down that road do you have any little nuggets nuggets or nuggets of advice for a young actor starting out or even a young filmmaker is not the nuggets are just to to keep keep at it that it is once you have the passion you kind of need to be we discussed this the other day, actually, with the girls, because um, Dee was asked to give a talk in the school and um, in that her daughter goes to, that you kind of need to be at 100% yeah. going in. Yeah. If you've any sort of hesitation mm -hmm. about maybe doing something else at this stage, mm -hmm. then you should probably look at doing something else because you need to have the drive and the passion to do this. There is we say in this house there is no plan b mm. now you may go down another avenue um down the road but if it's in your if it's just in your heart that this is all you want to do then you're on the right path but it is it comes with so much rejection and heartache and um but as long as you acknowledge that and know that that's what that what that is what comes with the territory of being an artist yeah. then you'd be fine and just be creative come up with other ways to to keep the mind going right go to plays go and see films forever like just soak it up um and and that's it and just keep just keep going mm. yeah lovely mm. well thanks Sarah Jane that was great chat Thanks, Joanne. And it was lovely to see you. And best of luck with all the work. I look forward to seeing your new movie. Thank you so much. And your, move, your move back to Ireland. That's very move Back to Ireland is so exciting. So I'll see you in Tralee very soon. Thanks again, Sarah. Yeah. All right, love. 
Thanks for listening to our podcast, which was edited by Tom Hannafin. For further information on Sarah Jane's work, go to www.callepezstudios.com. That's C-A-L-L-E-P-E-Z-Studios.com and social media platforms. To find out more about Shimsa and our new and upcoming work, head over to our website, www.shimsatira.com. You will also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, bye bye.